Welcome to Tea Time with Mary. I'm your host, Mary Jolkowski. I'm a former bikini fitness model turned self-love advocate. And this is the podcast that'll inspire you to love yourself. This episode is sponsored by Retreats by Mary, which are my very own self-love retreats for women. These retreats, we have actually two coming up at the time of this recording. The first one is in Zanzibar, which is March 18th through 24th. That is a seven-day self-love retreat in the magical island of Zanzibar, which, yes, is in Africa. It's a semi-autonomous region off the coast of Tanzania, which is so exotic and cool, and I can't believe it's happening, but there are a couple spots left. So if you want to join us, go to my website and go to self-love retreats. You'll see it right there. And after, we have a retreat coming up in July, July 19th through 23rd, will be our Costa Rica self-love retreat. And both of these retreats are focused around healing body image, building confidence, and loving yourself unconditionally. So I have workshops every single day with you where I will teach you to do exactly that. We go on various excursions depending on which location you're coming to, but If you're coming to Zanzibar, we're going to be paddleboarding and swimming with dolphins and exploring the town and running on the beach and photo shoots and laughter and crying and connecting and dancing and singing and so many things that just connect you to yourself and your body while connecting you with other women that are on the same self-love journey. It truly is a magical experience. I don't even have words to describe it. You just got to be there. So if you're interested in a self-love retreat, like I said, just go to maryscupoftea.com and you will see a self-love retreats tab. Click on that. You can scroll on that page and find a self-love retreat that is calling your name. Hello, hello. Welcome to another episode of Tea Time with Mary. Today, I have such an exciting interview and guest for you because Rachel is unlike any woman that you'll ever meet. So this podcast episode is so fittingly titled From ED Recovery to Multi-Six-Figure CEO. And guess what? That's you, Rachel. Welcome to the show. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Thank you. I am just... Super excited to pour into you and your audience. It's something I've been looking forward to. Thank you. I'm excited too. I'm going to read your bio real quick and then I want you to dive into your story. So it's not me talking about you. It's you talking about you. If that makes sense. <laughs> sure, it sounds good. <laughs> you live in New York. You're a business coach and self love influencer, and your passion is to help boss women all over the world, master their message, stand out and become an authority in their niche so that they can stop feeling invisible and sell with ease. I am excited for you to talk about this because I feel like the idea of business and selling and making money is filled with so much shame for women. And I know you have a personal background of obviously eating disorder recovery and a lot of self-worth struggles as well. Can you speak more into that and like what led you to being a multi six-figure CEO, which by the way is incredible? (laughs) Thank you. Yes, I would love to. So thank you so much for that intro. That took a lot of the work off of me. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) But so yes, I am a business coach and strategist, but my story actually starts back in high school and college whenever I was dealing with an eating disorder. So for me, um, I had an exercise addiction. 
I would feel extremely guilty after eating basically any meal. And I would go to the gym for, you know, four, five hours doing, you know, strictly cardio. And, you know, I wasn't happy with myself until I felt like I was going to pass out. And it wasn't until about my, I want to say junior year of college, whenever one of my really good friends and sorority sisters kind of had an intervention with me and let me know that she was worried about me and that she felt like what I was doing couldn't be good, was unhealthy. And that was somebody that I trusted. And she's still one of my best friends today, by the way. But that was somebody that I really, really trusted um, and somebody who had been through an eating disorder um, back in middle school and high school. And so, um, you know, I decided to pursue recovery and started going through to therapy. And unfortunately, I was in school to be an actress. I say unfortunately because the school that I went to put a lot of focus on looks. You had to look a certain way. You had to be a certain way. You had to be a certain weight. Um, I had professors who would tell me to lose weight or else I would never make it. So it was actually really unhealthy and it really affected my recovery because um, while I was trying to heal and while I was trying to love myself and my body, there were so many other, you know, factors around me and people around me that were telling me that that wasn't good enough. So I still graduated with my BFA in acting and I ended up moving to New York. I followed um, a boy, which we're broken up now, um, but I loved New York. So I ended up staying and um, I came here and I just asked myself, like, what am I doing? I have no idea if I even want to act anymore. I was you know, terrified of going to auditions, being told that I wasn't good enough, being rejected. And um, so that was whenever I hired a life coach. And I hired him because I wanted him to help me figure out what I wanted to do with my life. Now, of course, I was still going to therapy. Like life coaching is not a substitute for eating disorder recovery or therapy or anything. Mm -hmm. But for me, it was about figuring out what the hell I wanted to do with my life after years of thinking that my life was going to be in the acting field. So through working with him, um, I just realized, I think I want to do this. I think I actually want to become a life coach. And I want to help other women who are going through what I went through, who have these body image issues, who are possibly going through recovery or just self-esteem issues overall. So that's whenever I became a self-love coach. I got my certification online. It took a few months and I really just dove into the self-love community. It's really when I found you, when I found um, Body Posse Panda, Kenzie Brenna, just some amazing, amazing women in the industry. And um, it just really amazed me that these women had this message of it didn't matter who you were, where you're from, where you've been, what you've been through, like you were still worthy of self-love and wor worthy of this powerful, empowered life. And so I really just dove into that community and started sharing my story and just being entirely vulnerable, not holding anything back. And um, a few months into my coaching journey, you know, I started gaining clients from social media and my story went viral. I was mentioned in Self, Allure, The Today Show, et cetera. And um, my account just blew up. I, I went from like maybe 500 followers to 10,000 followers in just a matter of days. And 
um, so I continued along this path, of course, of, of self-love coaching and helping women. And my account was really more of a self-love influencer account and sharing my journey and inspiring others. But I began to have some entrepreneurial friends and other coaches come to me and say, Hey, how did you grow your Instagram? How did you go viral? Like, what's the secret to really being vulnerable and sharing your story? Like, can you teach me social media? And my eyes just lit up. And I was like, whoa, this is fun. Like, you mean I can teach like my, my journey to growing my business? You mean I can teach that to other people? So I began just doing like small little Instagram intensives and telling, you know, sharing, um, telling people how they can share their story and start to grow their account and influence others. And um, after a while, I realized that most of my clientele were actually, you know, through referrals from these other people talking about how I taught them social media and they were gaining results. And that's when I decided, I think I want to pursue business coaching. And at the time, I felt a little bit of guilt, I'll be honest with you, because I was like, man, my entire account is dedicated to my self-love journey and eating disorder recovery. And I didn't know really how to mix the two. How was I supposed to talk about eating disorder recovery and then business? I was like, my audience does not want to hear about business, right? Mm-hmm. And so I began um, you know, really talking about business over on Facebook. And I scaled to six figures um, in my business with Facebook alone. Wow. Just I had a Facebook group dedicated to it. And when I would talk about Instagram, I would kind of use my account as a point of reference and saying, Hey, I know that I don't talk about business on my Instagram, but you can see how I'm consistently posting, like consistently and honestly sharing my story and vulnerability and, you know, helping them kind of, um, model what they were doing on social media after what had worked for me. Mm -hmm. Now, at the end of 2018, beginning of 2019, so really only a little over a year ago, um, I was talking to my business coach because all coaches usually have coaches mm-hmm. themselves. Um, and I was talking to my business coach and I said, I'm tired of feeling like I'm living a double life. I just want to you know, talk about my business on Instagram. So that's whenever I made a podcast episode and a huge post, kind of like letting my following know, listen, this is a, still a huge part of my journey, but this is who I am now. That frail, insecure girl that I once was, she wanted to prove to herself what she was capable of and she did it. And here I am running this six-figure business and almost feeling guilty for talking about it. And that can't be right. And so I just kind of let my following know, listen, I'll respect if you don't want to follow me anymore. I'll still be sharing my self-love journey and my journey through you know, strong recovery. But um, I want to start talking about my business and all I've been able to accomplish through going through recovery. Because whenever I had, you know, whenever I was going through recovery in the beginning and was like deep into my eating disorder, I would have never imagined that I would turn my life into what it is today. So I was proud of it and I really wanted to share it. Um, And I just, I realized that by talking and like focusing on my eating disorder for so long, even through recovery, my personal experience was that it was almost keeping me sick. Mm. Um, 
it just was something that I focused on so hard, even though I was trying to inspire others through my journey, I was pursuing other things. I was talking about it so much that it was kind of keeping me down in that place of focusing on my body. And so now today, I'm a multiple six-figure entrepreneur. I love still sharing my story with my audience. I honestly cannot believe that a girl who had an eating disorder and once wanted to you know, take her own life now has a quarter million dollar business. And it's something that I'm extremely grateful and proud of. But it's something that I'm, I'm just so grateful for every single day. It's not something that I take lightly. I know that I had to go through what I went through mm -hmm. to be where I am today. Yeah. And you really grew through, grow through what you go through kind of thing. You're the epitome of that. And I always feel weird saying, I'm so proud of you because that feels like something you'd say to a kid. So I'm going to say I'm so inspired by you um, because you've also given me a lot of permission to share some behind the scenes stuff of my business. Because I think what I was telling you before we started recording was that so many people think that it just happened by accident and that right. like, oh, some big account shared her and now she's an influencer and she just posts pictures of herself and that's what she does all day. Um, but like, no, what we do all day is like a lot of computer admin stuff and banging head against the wall and networking yep. and writing like so much writing you want to throw up and working with people and like designing things and planning and it's just it's so much a lot of it is so not sexy yep. um but it sounds like you have found your calling and you're fucking good at it like mm. i what uh, okay and no offense to anybody else who I follow, but you're literally one of the only people that I actually turn the sound on when I watch your stories, oh, even though you transcribe it. It's like your energy. It's how you say things. And the way you show up, really, it's who you be. And I talk about that concept a lot. It's not about what you do or how you do it. It's about who you be and who you become. That's why I love Michelle Obama's book, yes. Becoming, um, because I think it's just such a, a great word to to use, but you embody all of that, Rachel. And I, I really am so inspired by you. Oh, thank you so much. That, that literally means the world to me, because like I said, you were really, this is just becoming a love fest now, but you were really <laughs> somebody that I looked up to as I was going through my own journey. And, you know, you're right that a lot of people think that it's just like posting pictures in our bikinis all the time. Like that's all we do. But they don't realize how much work is behind it, but we continue to do it because it is our calling. I believe that those who are in entrepreneurship are in a sense kind of masochistic because there are so <laughs> many highs and lows. Like we feel so called to helping and serving our audience that we are willing to deal with the waves of entrepreneurship and mm -hmm. the ups and downs of income and the people online saying negative things to us. Like if we didn't feel this much of a calling, we would just like quit tomorrow. But oh, the yeah. reason we go through it and we like almost like take like the mental abuse that it sometimes mm -hmm. takes to get through it is because we just are so fulfilled by being able to inspire and empower people in this way. Yeah, for sure. And between you and I, um, every single time at a retreat on like day two or three, depending on how long the retreat is, I call my mother and I say, mom, never, ever let me fucking do this again. This is so hard. <laughs> this is so much torture. I am so upset. 
this isn't working, that that isn't working. What are they thinking of me? They hate me. Like all the insecurities just come up and literally it's like that wave. And then like yeah. last day of the retreat and after I am high, I call my mom and I say, I am an addict. I am Mary and I am addicted to hosting retreats <laughs> and changing the world and running my business and having this be a part of my life. And you're right, like the waves, it definitely is super sadistic to be able to be like, okay, I'm going to torture myself and it's all going to be worth it at the end because it always is. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and the first time that I went viral, I know you've gone viral many times too, but the first time I went viral, um, there were a lot of negative comments under my photo. And I remember my mom seeing it and her saying to me, like, how do you deal with that? Like, why do you post Mm -hmm. those things knowing that you're going to get the negative comments because they happen every single time. And I was just like, mom, like I am here to be the voice for those who cannot speak. I am here to say the things, do the things and be the person who, you know, people look up to who are too afraid for, of those comments, too afraid to share those, you know, their story for fear of what others will think. And I am being strong because I just feel so called by the universe, by the heavens, whatever you believe in, um, to do this. And so that outweighs everything else. Yeah, for sure. Every time I get a hate comment, I'm like, well, this just proves my point. Like this is, this is exactly what I was talking about. Here's a prime example. Congratulations, you know? Um, and it just, it's kind of like fuel, I guess, if you let it be. Um, with that being said, how did you, you said you felt guilty at first for talking about like your success. And I know now because your whole business is built on running a business and you share so much behind the scenes. How do you share your accomplishments just in general without feeling guilty for saying that? I like literally will not Instagram a nice hotel or like nobody on Instagram knows what kind of car any of my boyfriend or family members or or I drive and I will never have it in. Whereas I feel like other influencers, you know, they do that nail picture with like over their Mercedes sign (laughs) and it's like, oh, cool. Like you're showing me you're driving a Mercedes. I'm first of all, not like that. But also I think a lot of it is guilt and it shows up in so many areas where I'm like, I don't want them to know because if they know, they'll see me differently. Right, right. Well, I think where the guilt comes from is we don't want people to think that we're like using their, you know, mental health issues or using their ED recovery or journey or whatever in order to run a business. That's what the guilt Mm. was for me as I didn't want people to think that, you know, all of a sudden I wanted to talk about business. I was going to forget about them. I was never going to talk about eating disorder stuff anymore. And I just felt guilty for like talking about money really in general, mm-hmm. um, which is very like patriarchal because I feel like there's no problem if men want to share about money. In fact, the most successful men that there are are constantly showing, like you said, like their cars and the things that they buy yeah. and their watches, etc. And you don't see one comment from people saying that they shouldn't do that. But the second that a woman owns her worth as you know, a CEO and like owns how powerfully she, you know, is compensated. All of a sudden she's vain or bitchy or tacky or, you know, emotional or something like that. And so for me, I decided, I made the decision that the intention that I was going to put behind sharing about my success and sharing about my business was I was doing it to inspire 
others, not to be flashy or, you know, and I'm not the type of person who shows like cars getting nails done and stuff either. I'm just the girl that's like sitting on the couch all day. But (laughs) my intention for sharing about my accomplishments was like, listen, I still share my story and where I started and how I almost wanted to take my own life. And I hated myself and I did not know what the hell I was going to do with my life after college. And the fact that I've been able to grow this business to where it is today should empower other people to know that no matter what they're going through right this second, even if they feel like this is impossible, um, I don't have, you know, I, I, I'm not pretty enough or I'm not good enough or I'm not personable enough or I don't know how to sell good enough. Like wh- whoever you are, this is proof that you can do this. And so that's what kind of really helped me with the guilt was realizing that the people who are going to be offended, like they're just not my people because I'm just owning the po- like my own power mm-hmm. and what I've been able to create after going through such hardship. Does that make sense? Yeah, of course. Like if it makes somebody uncomfortable, it's more so a reflection of their beliefs about money and their beliefs of success and their patriarchal, you know, ingrainment of how they see women and how a woman should act around money or nice things. And you're so right. Oh my goodness. Like when a guy just like is, you know, raising his arm or whatever, his watch happens to be in the shot. Like everybody's like, oh, that's a nice watch, right? But when a girl is posing outside of Ben's, it's like, call the police. Like, so gross, so tacky. It's probably not her Ben's. And like, I love the women that are like, yeah, this is my fucking Ben's. (laughs) Yeah. And you know what? Like, I don't know if you follow Amanda Francis, but she's the first one who really helped me feel comfortable talking about money. And she just says like, listen, I own who I am and I'm a money queen, like making money comes easily to me and I help others make money as well. That's just who I am. And there's nothing wrong with owning who you are. And like, if you want to own that you are somebody else that I disagree with, I'm still going to be proud of you for owning that. You know what I mean? And Mm -hmm. she also tells this story of, um, how she was at dinner with friends and it was one of those like picnic type of tables at restaurants where you're like sitting right next to other people. And, Mm -hmm. um, they overheard her like talking about how much or like what she does. And so she asked the other person next to her. Yeah. So what do you do? And she said, Oh, I work for a real retail company. She's like, Oh, that's cool. She walked away to go to the bathroom and her friend who was sitting next to her said, I don't know why she's being so humble. She's the CEO of a multi-million dollar retail company. And when she like, it was a blog post that she posted about that story. When I read that story, I was just like, wow, it's crazy how it's ingrained Mm -hmm. into our heads that we're like, not allowed to talk about business. We're not allowed to talk about money. And it's like, gross. It's tacky. And it's like, why would we hide that from the world? Like, I want to share this so that other young women who are pursuing entrepreneurship or pursuing anything in life can see what's possible for them. And I want to share my story of eating disorder recovery as part of it. So that, like I said, people can see that you literally could come from any background, anything whatsoever that you've been through. And it's still possible for you to create this amazing, you know, empowering, extravagant life. Yeah, 100%. It's like, 
I always say money is just a form of energy and I'm a firm believer in that. So whether you're spending time on someone or whether you're spending energy on someone or my favorite one is if you're spending attention, brain space on someone or something, Mm -hmm. that is just as like literally the same moral value as spending money on someone or something. So every time your negative thought patterns and you're spending energy or attention on thinking like, I'm not worthy, I suck, I'm not good enough, I'm not beautiful, I'm not this, I'm not that, I'll never be this. That is literally like you paying, you know, thousands and thousands of dollars, if not millions to to fuel that further. And money is just one way that we do that. We can either use it to further our goals, or we can use it to go away, or we can use it to have fun, or we can use it to, I don't know, spend on practical, more so practical things. But yeah, that is crazy. You're so right. It's just ingrained in us to that that is like the form of humbleness. Yeah, a hundred percent. What and I think too, like, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, you go ahead. We're doing that. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, no, we're doing this. Um I was just going to say, I think too, like, I'm not saying that everybody should start a business, but my business was how I got to this place of strong recovery. For any of your followers that are listening who are dealing with ED recovery or really anything, it could be any type of mental health issue. My means to an end was realizing that I was meant for something bigger than my eating Mm -hmm. disorder. And like I said, that doesn't have to be business, but it's searching for who you are outside of your body. And for me, that's whenever I realized, wow, like I love helping people. I love meeting new people. I've been in sales since I was 16 years old. I, this is just something that I feel like I've been called to this entire time and my eating disorder was the only thing holding me back. So it was an empowering thing to get into business and start pursuing this. And it really helped me through recovery because it just gave me a greater purpose, if that makes sense. Yeah, of course. Let me know if this resonates, but I kind of see recovery as three phases. The first phase is where you have to get really angry and you have to swing the other direction and you have to be in what I call like really active recovery and like constantly working on yourself and and constantly, you know, self-talking yourself and reading and listening and doing all the things to make sure that you heal. And a lot of that comes from like really stark contrast. You know, you need that like I am anti-diet and I'm going to follow everybody who's anti-diet and I'm going to be angry at diet culture and the patriarchy and, and that kind of energy behind it. And then the second phase is when you're searching, like you said, searching for your identity outside of recovery and other things that you are interested in, that you're meant for, those things in your, like what you were interested in as a kid, for example, that you totally forgot about. Like my biggest thing was art painting and stuff and dance. Mm. Um, And so like embracing that, taking up hobbies, like going deeper into your career and to relationships. And that's where you can reintroduce things. It's kind of like the gym, right? Like at first you've got to like completely stop going to the gym because you can't keep going back to the same environment where you got sick. Right. And then you can, you know, kind of reintroduce things back in and see how you feel and start finding yourself and making that journey a part of you, but not all of you. And then the third phase is when you completely move forward and you're like, okay, this is a part of my story and my becoming. Um, but now this is what I do. Now this is my 
my new calling. I'm not meant just for an, I wasn't put on this planet just to have an eating disorder, nor was I put on this planet just to recover from an eating disorder. Like you were put on this planet to recover, learn from, grow through what you go through, and then come out on top because you're fucking badass like that. Wow. That was a way better explanation of what I was trying to say. (laughs) Thank you. so. (laughs) No, no, but thank you so much for that because that is exactly what I was getting at was whenever I was like deep in my eating disorder recovery, I would call that that first phase. That's whenever, you know, that was like the kicking and screaming and being angry at my eating disorder and being angry at, you know, my body or the way that I treated my body and like really pursuing self-love. And that was the phase that like I really grew grew my Instagram in and was trying to, you know, inspire others. And I don't regret that at all. It's like you said, you have to go through that phase. But then, yeah, my business was kind of phase two of realizing, okay, like now what am I meant for in this life? Like what, what's my calling? Like what's my actual purpose now? And that's the only reason that I really kind of phased out of, you know, the kicking and screaming, like talking about it, talking about my body and recovery 24 seven on social media. But yeah, it's like you said, with phase three, it will always, always be a part of me. It is my story. And I honestly don't know if I would be where I am today or in sales or in business at all if I hadn't gone through that. Because like I said, my entire story began with my eating disorder. So Mm -hmm. it's actually interesting now because in that first phase, like we hate our eating disorder. We're angry at it. Like, why God, why did this happen to me? And now, now that I'm in phase three and I have this amazing business, I, I can look back at my story and just be like, wow, thank you. Thank you for you know, going through that so that you could become like the powerful businesswoman that you are today. Yeah, for sure. And not to go like super woo woo, but there's a um, book. I'm all about the woo. Give it to me. Oh, you are? No way. Oh my goodness. This makes me like you so much more. You're about the woo? Heck yeah, girl. Come on. Oh my goodness. There are so many people that I see that they're like, oh my God, they're definitely not woo woo. I didn't think you were definitely not woo woo, but I think I, I maybe think it's not, a balance. Yeah, it's it's a balance for sure. But I don't <laughs> share just how woo-woo I am because, you know, I feel like if I went that direction, not only would I be esoteric, but it would also make me like a little vague and I like to be more practical. But like you said, it's a balance. Um, so yeah. there's a book that I'm obsessed with that I read over and over and over again since the librarian recommended to me at my middle school. So I had to have been like 12. And there's also a movie. It's not like Hollywood movie. But it's really, really good. It's called The Five People You Meet in Heaven. And the premise of it is basically this man dies and he meets five people in heaven that have made an impact on his life. And some of these people he doesn't even know. He doesn't even remember. And one of them was like a man that when he was three years old, he was playing ball with his friends. And the ball like went out on the road And the little boy like ran out after it, after the ball. And the man behind the wheel slammed his brakes so hard that he was an older man. So he panicked and had a heart attack and killed this man. And the little boy didn't even know. He just like grabbed his ball and ran away. So in heaven, this guy like comes back to him and and like tells him that story and is like, you know, you 
you killed me when you were three. And the the man, now that he's dead and stuff, he's just mortified. He's like, oh my God, I can't believe I did that to somebody. But the whole thing is like, it's a journey. And the things that you don't think affect you, like everything affects everything. And everything is interrelated. And we are all so, so connected. And even if you don't know it, everything happens for a reason. And, you know, I would have never been an economics major had I not had an eating disorder because, you know, I switched to economics when I moved to Canada. And there's so many like connect the dots kind of moments that I was like, literally, if the stars didn't align for me to be at this right place at this right time, then I would have never gotten here. And I'm so grateful for all of it. Having that like, you know, appreciation for it that just like lights me up. Because even now, if I go through something really, really shitty, this sounds so like talk about sadistic. And what did you call it? Masochistic? I'm like, masochistic. (laughs) Second language here. So still learning. But yes, talk about masochistic. Whenever I go through shit, like even something as simple as like, my boyfriend and I are in an argument, I literally, (laughs) I sit in the closet and I cry and I feel bad for myself. And then my follow up thought is, oh my God, I can't wait to write about this. Yes, I can't exactly. And I can't wait to like, you know, and th- this was, you know, with my horrible breakup when I was in Canada and, you know, my just all this shit went down. I had to book a one way ticket back home, all this stuff. Like my follow up thought was like, I can't wait to write about this. I can't wait to tell people. I can't wait to <laughs> tell this story. And that's that's when you know that you you kind of respect that life comes in waves. Yeah, well, and you're so right about the journey. Like I've had I spoke at a conference last summer and um, I actually had somebody hire me as their business coach. And she said specifically that she hired me because of my story. Mm-hmm. She said she felt like she really resonated with it a lot um, because she had, she had gone through an eating disorder, but also like the bullying part of her story because I was bullied in um, grade school. And yeah, she said like that is what made her want to hire me. And that really makes you think because there are a lot of business coaches, life coaches, just like people in general that you could invest in. And at the end of the day, you invest in the people that you resonate with their story. And so that's why it's so, so important that we go through all of this because otherwise, like we wouldn't have any fuel to our fire. Like we wouldn't have a deeper why. Also talking about how you're like, I can't wait to write about this. <laughs> Actually, um, I wrote about my ex cheating on me. Mm-hmm. And he actually reached out to me afterward <laughs> and was all like angry yeah, and was like, I can't believe you talked about that and blah, blah, blah. And you know what? I thought I wasn't even, I didn't delete the post. I wasn't sad about it. I just said, you know what? I was speaking my truth Mm -hmm. and I was being vulnerable. Like, again, I'm called into this world and into this industry to share with my audience because I know that so many of them are going through something similar. And so I, I was like, I don't, I don't regret talking about that at all. And I didn't name him by name or anything, but just that one Instagram post, I had so many people reaching out to me saying like, thank you so much. That really helped me because I was cheated on and I'm having a really hard time trusting again and getting through it. And so it's crazy how our experiences, no matter good or bad, really can positively affect other people. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's, you know, it's a blessing. I always say like, I'm so glad to be able to help. Like, I'm so grateful that this happened because, you know, it it serves as a point of connection. Um, Question for you. What 
advice or tips or places to start? I know this is so broad and you can take this any direction you want, but what would you say to somebody who like wants to start a business either online, like kind of how we do on social media and coaching and um, all that kind of stuff, or just something else like, I don't know, tech startup or whatever. Like, what would you say to a woman who wants to start a business or who's in the beginning stages of business and doesn't really, you know, know what to do or how to take it to the next level? Like what made the biggest difference for you? Yeah, that's a really good question. So first of all, if you want to start a business, you need to be on social media, period. Because all of my clients, where they start is exactly where I started, which is just sharing their story. And I'm sure it was the same for you too, Mary. Like whenever you were going through, excuse me, whenever you were going through recovery yourself, like sharing your story was the way that you connected with people, right? Mm -hmm. And I always say that, you know, it, it comes down to straight up psychology that when we hear stories being told, our emotions go haywire and our brain is actively looking for ways, you know, stories that happen to us or instances to where we feel like we can relate with somebody. And that's what builds the no like, and trust factor, which eventually leads to, you know, the sale and having people want to invest in you and want to work with you. Like I said, from the woman who just heard my story and wanted to invest in me, um, And so I think no matter what, get on social media, create an account and start sharing your story because it's the absolute most powerful part of who you are. And that's how you're going to draw people into your circle and into your business. Because at the end of the day, any business is a personal brand. I am a personal brand. People who buy from me don't just buy from me because they have enough money for my offers or because of the results. Like, yes, those are huge factors. But the number one reason that people buy from me is because they want to learn from me. They like me and my story and who I am as a person. And they always say I'm relatable and yada, yada, yada. So definitely, definitely start with just start your business account start sharing your story. And then honestly, I would invest in a mentor as soon as possible to gain guidance because I waited a couple of years before I really invested in myself because there's this idea that you have to make money in your business before you can reinvest that money back into yourself. And so that was the idea that I had. I said, well, I'm going to gain clients first and then I'll hire a business coach or a mentor. And that's an interesting thought because if you're hiring a coach to help you gain clientele, but you want to gain clientele first before you can pay for the coach, it doesn't really make sense, right? Mm-hmm. So you have to think about it that way that, yes, it stinks spending money and having to invest. And it's always, always scary. But doing so saves you a lot of time and money in the future because you don't spend so much time just trying to figure it out yourself. Mm-hmm. So definitely start your social media, start sharing your story today, and then invest in a mentor just as soon as possible. Do you need a lot of followers in order to have a successful and profitable business? Hell no. <laughs> so I was waiting for that. Oh my goodness. Remember that one story you did that was like, no, no, yep. no, no, fuck no. Hell no. That oh was my so God. funny. <laughs> Please, oh what my was God. the question that was asked? It was, um, should I, it, I can't, it was like, should I still launch a program even though somebody, or no, it was, sorry, it was, 
somebody else is launching a program similar to mine. Should I wait to launch or something like that? And I was like, absolutely not. I did like a funny video, like, no, 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 hell no. And it was just so funny. And then I said that that was whenever I talked about what I just talked about, how like, who cares if somebody is launching something similar, your audience wants to buy from you. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, But as far as do you need a large audience? Absolutely not. Here's the reason why. People think that authority, which to me, authority is like what gets people to see you as a professional and gets them to want to buy from you versus just seeing you as like a good friend who, you know, gives good advice. So people Mm -hmm. assume that authority in business is synonymous with popularity, but it's actually not true because I have friends who have over 600,000 followers who don't know how to monetize their following, Mm -hmm. who have no idea what they're doing with business. And then I also have clients who have less than a thousand followers who are hitting, you know, 10K cash months. Imagine having just 10K cash months in your business, making six figures a year with less than a thousand followers, because it's absolutely possible. And another thing about me is, although I have over 15,000 followers, and I know Mary, you have a lot more, but Um, even though I have over 15,000 followers, that was from when I really grew as a self-love influencer, but I sell my services mostly on stories. And I only get like 200 views a day on stories. And last year I could directly link about 150 K of my total income straight to stories. So that really tells you something. If you can monetize that much with an audience of 200 people, then it's less about how many people are in your audience and more about the impact that you're making. Wow, that is profound. I really love the concept of a thousand true fans. It's this essay that I found online. um, And it basically says just that, that you don't need hundreds of thousands of followers. You just need a select few people that, like you said, know, like, and trust you and building that authority so that they see some some value in it that they want to invest in because they want it for themselves. And it all comes down to like, who you be. Like you said, we want to buy from you. I turn up the sound, not because I think you're going to share something revolutionary, which you almost always do, but that's just a plus. I turn up the sound because I'm waiting for something like, no, 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 and no. And you're like, get in my face and give me a boost of confidence. And it literally has nothing to do with what you say. It's like how you are. Yes. Oh, thank you so much for saying that. But I, I totally agree. It's really just good to hear from somebody else because that's totally the message that I stand for. And it's, it's, it's what I preach every day. So knowing that I properly practice what I preach and others see that, that makes me feel really good. But you're right. I mean, I would rather have a hundred raving fans who love me than thousands and thousands of people who couldn't care less about me. Yeah. Yeah. Tell me I'm huge on beliefs. What did you have to like start changing about yourself in terms of self-talk? Like, what did you have to start telling yourself in order to start making money? Like we address the guilt factor, but are there any other things that you had to like pretty much overcome in order to have the courage to start selling your services? Yeah. Well, that's a really good question too. I think for me, it was about seeing myself as the powerful woman that I already was, if that makes sense. Like I already was powerful. You know, like I said, I was divinely called into this industry to serve other women and help them sell and grow their businesses and scale their businesses. 
but I still saw myself as that frail, insecure girl with an eating disorder. I still believed that that's who I was on the inside. So how that translated was me showing up online, feeling like I had to prove myself to others, that I had to prove that I was knowledgeable enough or that I was good enough. And it almost left me desperate of just like, oh my God, please, I need clients in order to prove to myself that I was good enough. So the, that was the biggest thing that I had to overcome because once I realized that is not who you are anymore, it is part of your story, but now you are so powerful and inspiring and empowering and become like realizing that that's who I'd become really set me up for success because I started showing up and shining so much more brightly. I don't know if that makes sense grammar wise, but I started showing up so much more powerfully because instead of trying to prove myself to my audience, I just truly believed it. I was like, wait a second. My story is the most powerful thing about me, but I am no longer that girl. I am such a badass. I am an expert at this. My clients get results. I know what I'm talking about. And so I started just sharing that way of just being like, I am a good coach. You should want to learn from me. My most favorite thing that I always say to myself whenever I'm selling is, my vibe when I'm selling to you is you're fucking welcome. Sorry if, sorry for the cursing, but mm-hmm. I always, that's my vibe when I'm selling to people is you're fucking welcome. Because although I'm so, so grateful for every client who chooses to invest in me, and it's a big thank you to them as well, I truly believe that when people invest in me, they are getting more, not less. And so I'm like, mm-hmm. you're fucking welcome because I am worth this. And you know, working with me means results. It means greatness. And so kind of having that vibe. And again, people are afraid of that because that goes back to, well, women aren't allowed to be this confident about their business. And it makes them seem like assholes or like super vain. And again, I'm just like, listen, if men can be this confident, if men are allowed to be the top CEOs who like brag about their companies, why can't we? Why can't I stand up and just be like, I'm a freaking CEO. I have a powerful AF company. I make a quarter million dollars a year and I'm slaying it after all that I've been through. Why am I not allowed to be confident in that? So that's kind of where I drew that power from. And that is the biggest thing that changed my business for the better. Oh my goodness. We need to like embrace your fucking welcome in every area of our life. Like getting naked in front of somebody you're fucking welcome. I did something incredible. You're fucking welcome. Shaved my legs. You're fucking welcome. Took care of myself. You're fucking welcome. Like every (laughs) single thing is like, you're doing a gift, not only to yourself, but to them. And not only are you worth it and worth investing in, but they're worth investing in themselves. And like what you said, I have spent, nobody knows this. So only my podcast listeners know this. I've spent tens of thousands of dollars on coaching. And that's like the behind the scenes that nobody ever talks about is I didn't do traditional therapy, but I spent tens of thousands of dollars on coaching. So that's just like in perspective of how much I believe that I'm worth it of investing into myself and my business. And to be honest with you, I'm not even looking for a business coach as much as I'm looking for a personal coach because I know that 
how you do small things is how you do all things. And when you invest just like period, like think about how good it feels to get your nails done, right? And most people don't even think twice about it. I mean, I still struggle with money guilt. So (laughs) oftentimes I don't get my nails done, but I always have to consciously tell myself that like, no, like getting your nails done, if it makes you feel happy, do it, you know? Um, I don't think that a lot of people struggle with being, or a lot of women struggle with being reckless with money. I don't see that often. I see us being as just like holding back from ourselves and using money as a way to like punish ourselves and beating ourselves up more, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, like, you know, some people use food and or money, right? And I see that so much. And I actually see with a lot of my retreat attendees, like, even though they've invested in a retreat and they invested in themselves, they still get nervous investing like an extra $10 into, you know, a, something to buy, you know, um, for themselves. Because like you said, like, we're not taught, we're not taught to own who we are. We're not taught to make money and be proud of it. We're not taught that we deserve to spend money. And I just, I see this show up all the time. Yes, a hundred percent. And I'm the exact same as you. Like I do have a business coach, but I also have a life coach. Um, whenever I had my podcast, I even had a podcast coach because I was like, I have no idea what I'm doing. Like, I have no Mm -hmm. idea what my message is that I'm about to speak out into the world. Like investing for me has taken on a whole new light because I don't think of it as like wasting money. Mm -hmm. I am, I get a high from investing because every single time I invest, it forces me to step my game up in all areas of my life. When I invest in a life coach, I know that my life is about to just be out of this world. It's about to be one big party because Mm -hmm. I'm going to be focusing on my self-care. I'm going to be focusing on what I need to survive. And especially as like a business coach, my entire life is my business. I spend so much time investing in my business, focusing on my business that every once in a while it it takes away from my quote unquote real life and I have to remember, wait a second, the way that I treat myself in real life actually translates into my business because of my energy. Again, that goes back to the woo. And so to keep my vibes high, I love like having a life coach or you know, like you said, going to get my nails done or getting a massage and just like working on myself constantly so that I'm happy, I'm high vibe and that that can, you know, come into my business and that my business can be always high vibe and not stressful. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Can I ask you like a, well, this is personal, so this is mainly about me, but in 2019, (laughs) which was last year, yeah, last year, Last year, I committed to zero personal growth. And what I mean by that is, like I said, I invested tens of thousands of dollars into coaching before and programs and events and going and trainings and all this stuff. And then last year, I put my foot down and said, I am all about implementing um, because I felt that like going to a Thursday through Sunday event and then only having a couple days to work before going to another event or always having the coaching calls or always just having my life being consumed about being better took away from just doing, um, not only in my business, but just like being myself also and just being content. So 2019, I did like a, you know, self experiment of doing a year of no personal growth that did not include podcasts and books. Although I tried to keep those to a minimum. How do you balance like always working on yourself and always wanting to, 
you know, be better, which there's nothing wrong with that, but also that idea of being content because I think that personal growth addiction and mm-hmm. like I used to call myself a personal growth junkie because I would literally event hop right. from one to another, from one program to another. And it didn't get as out of hand as I've seen other people do, but kind of like what we were talking about with the community aspect of eating disorder recovery, like we don't want to get stuck in it because that can also be an addiction and that can also be a way that we beat ourselves up for the sake of always being better and striving for more. So how do you like balance the two? Yeah, a hundred percent. You're exactly right that it, it can actually become toxic when you rely on it. So for example, um, I had a client who felt like she just was not ready to launch her business, that she just needed to learn more. She needed one more certification. So I was like, okay, she got that certification. Then she was like, well, I just feel like I need one more thing. And she continued like getting more and more certifications, going to more and more events and learning more and learning more to the point to where I had to bring it to her attention. Like, look, this is actually a huge limiting belief coming up that you are not good enough until you know everything. And I said, what if you put this belief into your head that you're good enough as you are right now and you were good enough before you did all of that? She was like mind blown. And she was like, oh, like I I never even thought of it that way. But it really does become toxic whenever we think that we have to do more or be better, that we're not, it's almost like we're working on ourselves, but we're never going to be good enough, which in my mind can be just as toxic as like, an eating disorder and feeling like your body will never be good enough, feeling like you're so addicted to having to do so much and invest so much that it's never enough. So in my mind, I still think that personal growth is an amazing thing. I still think that investing in yourself is an amazing thing, but it's exactly what you said with there are people who are chronic consumers and they don't implement. So my advice is that whenever you do invest in yourself, whenever you are working on personal growth, if you have a life coach or like a self-love coach or even a business coach, you have to go into it with the intention of learning all that you can learn and consistently implementing so that you're doing, you're not just consuming. Does that make sense? Yeah, of course, because if you're not doing then then that's what's a waste, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And it's like then you're just constantly consuming more information and that's what overwhelms you. Mm-hmm. It overwhelms you because you're just like, okay, now I've consumed all of this information and I literally don't even know where to start, even though I've literally been told where to start a bazillion times in all of these different conferences and events, but it's just been so much packed into my brain that now I'm just even more stressed yeah. than I was before. So my advice would to be would be like, you may not be like me. I love consistently investing in myself, but I am constantly implementing. And it's why my business has gone so far. It's why my personal life has gotten so much better. But if you are somebody who needs to take it one step at a time, then you need to take it one step at a time. Mm -hmm. Start with one thing in your life. Maybe it's um, you want to buy Mary's ebook. Maybe that's your place to start. Little little plug there. Um, You know, something small that it's like, it's not going to hurt your finances too much, but it's going to make a big step in your yep. self-love journey. Maybe it is hiring a mentor, but let that be what you invest in and take that one step at a time and continue implementing before you invest in something else. 
Yeah. And one thing I want to add to that is just like we were talking about money being energy, there's also time, there's also energy, there's also attention um, that you can invest with. So even if it's not financial, maybe you're investing in yourself is blocking out time in your calendar to sit and read a fiction book for fun. I know I I read for fun. I don't know if anybody else does, but (laughs) I feel like, you know, that's something we don't let ourselves do a lot is like read a romance novel for fun or like self-pleasure and blocking out time for that or, you know, the stereotypical bubble bath. But there are so many ways that that can show up. And contrary to popular belief, that's not taking away from your kids or your time you could be working or your partner or your housework. It's actually adding to it because we say this a lot, but I don't think it lands. When you fill your cup in whatever capacity, like I said, time, energy, money, and attention, when you use those things to fill your cup, then that's when you're going to have something to give. If you have an empty cup, you ain't giving. You're just depleting yourself and driving everybody around you crazy. So like, I know that when I'm not investing in a business coach, like, guess what? I'm driving my friend, my best friend crazy because I'm constantly texting her about every little (laughs) business decision when I could be seeking help from a professional, right? When I'm not cutting out time to be with my boyfriend and having it be intentional and doing date nights, then guess what? I'm always texting and nagging at him being like, do you still love me? Because I feel depleted of of love and affection. And when I'm not, yeah, when I'm not telling like, you know, I sometimes I live with my boyfriend, but I sometimes spend the night at my mom's house because that's where my little sister is and her parents are divorced. So she only gets her half the time. So anyways, it's a little complicated, but every single night that I'm over, she's like, Manya, can you please stay the night? And she like begs and she'll try to guilt me into it. But sometimes like last night I had to say no, because I really value my morning routine and tomorrow is podcast day and tomorrow is important to me. And I actually have to go home tonight so I can wake up in the morning and do what I need to do in my own space, you know? So those kinds of things, even though like my, my nasty self-talk is saying, is being like guilty, like the guilt, the shame that like, oh my God, like my sister, she's crying all this stuff. Constantly reminding myself that taking care of yourself is not selfish. And actually what's selfish is not taking care of yourself because then you build up resentment. Oof, yes. Oh my God. Yeah. Preach into the choir. Yeah, exactly. And I just want that to land that this isn't a whole plug of like, spend tens of thousands of dollars on yourself. This is like, know that you are worthy of it. You are worthy of investing in yourself and building a business if that's what you want and recovering from an eating disorder or healing in general and not having that be a part of your identity. If you want to move on from that, you can. And not having guilt moving on from it. Yep. Yep, exactly. Exactly. Thank you so much for for sharing and for giving us that permission, Rachel. I just, like I said, I'm so inspired by you and I know everybody else will be too. Oh, thank you so, so much for having me. This was, this was a really, really good podcast just because I feel like it's not very often that people want to dig into the deep stuff like this. A lot of the time it's kind of surface level. How do you grow your business? Like give me some strategies or some tactics. So Mm. to be able to really dive deep into, you know, my story and everything that I've been through in order to get here and what were the game changers with, you know, my mindset and all of that, like I really appreciate all of those questions. And I feel like um, it's really going to help your audience. 
Yeah, thank you. And if anybody does want to dive into the tactics and the tools and the the strategy, like you're their gal, where they can, <laughs> where can they find you? Um, how can they buy what you got and make all the money? <laughs> thank you so much. Um, so you can find me on Instagram at my coach Rachel. Um, that's probably the best place to find me. I have a Facebook group as well, but that's usually in the link in my bio. But yeah, come say hi. Come DM me. Um, I'm definitely willing to talk to anyone. Um, I always welcome new friends. I always answer all my DMs, as I know you try to as well, Mary. But um, yeah, come say hi at my coach Rachel. And um, if you are looking to start a business, of course, we can talk about all of your options. Yay. Thank you so much, Rachel. Um, and thank you, everybody, for listening. And that's a wrap. <laughs>